0: Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Permissionless podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, hit up iTunes and leave us a review. And if a friend passed this along to you, go subscribe and check out the other episodes we've recorded. You can find us on Facebook at Permissionless and Twitter and Instagram are permission underscore less. So without further ado, let's kick this off. Hi everybody, welcome to the Permissionless Podcast. I'm your host Selena Vidia, and today we have a lovely soul as a guest. Her name is Katie Joy Horwich. Katie is an activist, writer, speaker, performer, artist, and entrepreneur. She's a woman, warrior, and wellness activist behind WANT, which is Women Against Negative Talk, and that's a website and initiative that helps move women forward in their lives by giving them tools, resources, motivation, and inspiration to shift their own negative self-talk patterns. She's also spoken across the country on the topic of self-confidence and self-image, and she's worked with numerous publications. There's so much more that describes this amazing woman and everything that she's accomplished, so we're just going to go ahead and dive right in and start listening to her journey. So hi, Katie. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much. Thank you for that lovely intro. I know. I, I was looking through everything that you've worked on, and you accomplish so much. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. It's funny
1: because... Whenever we're on the outside looking in at somebody, it always seems like everybody's doing so much, so much, and they're accomplishing so much, and they have so much successes, or at least when I look at other people. Um, And sometimes it's nice to have that little reminder of like, oh, yeah, I, I I have done a few things. I am doing all right on this journey called life.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess we'll just start. I would really love to hear about your journey, um, kind of where it sta- started. So right now, I know a good amount about WANT, mm-hmm. but I'd love to hear a little bit preceding that and what led you to founding Wants. Yes, okay. So I'm gonna give you the
1: long version of the story. <laughs> That's great. Great. Um, so I... Always, I grew up with a lot of self confidence, but my self image for my entire life was pretty much in the gutter. And I grew up in a very female centric family in Los Angeles. Um, I'm not going to blame it on LA, but just the way that our society is kind of structured in general in this day and age, it's uh, you know, it's very it's focused on on appearance, on accomplishments, how much you're doing, how good you are, being the best, all of that. And as I grew up, basically, I developed um, self-image issues as far as the way that I looked and the way that I talked to myself and um, downplaying my accomplishments and not feeling confident in kind of basking in those because... Every time that I that I felt confident, it was it was seen as narcissistic or vain. And so as I grew older, I had this dichotomy going where I was actually a very self-confident person and I actually really loved who I was. but it was almost like the world around me was telling me that I wasn't supposed to be uh, you know, smart, talented, pretty, like I couldn't be all of these things at once. So going into college, I ended up, you know, as we all are in college, we are very much out of our element. And I found that I was kind of living my life like I was a 42. I wanted to be like a 42 year old, but I was, you know, trapped in an 18 year old's body. Like I wanted to be out living my life I went to school for for acting, and specifically musical theater. So I wanted to be working. I wanted to be in the quote-unquote real world, which is not how most people <laughs> approach college when you know they're in college. And so I felt very much on the outside. I felt very different, very out of control. And at the same time, I was at kind of a high where I was just uncomfortable with my body. I had kind of an indulgent, fun summer. And then, you know, when you go into freshman year, you've got the you've got the dining halls and you are maybe discovering the gym for the first time or maybe not. And your whole life is kind of turned upside down. So I ended up developing an eating disorder, which is called orthorexia, which is actually it's starting to be classified as an actual eating disorder or people are talking about it like it is at least. But it is an unhealthy obsession with being healthy, um, if you boil it down. So just like any eating disorder, it's more mental than anything. It really doesn't have to do with the food. Um, It has to do with your mindset around it. And I was... I, I was counting calories obsessively. I was restricting certain foods, certain food groups. And I was trying to prescribe to what I had been told all my life was what was healthy at the end at this time. It's, you know, 2004 so 11 or so years ago. And what we knew about health then is very different from how we're talking about health now. Um, and that's a whole other different conversation, but I was like, okay, I'm not able to really live as an adult in all these other ways in my life. And I'm feeling like I'm on the outs and, I'm, and I don't have control of my life right now. And I'm I'm not happy where I am. So what's something that I can control and what's something that can make me feel like an adult is making myself feel comfortable with my body, ergo being healthy. So that ended up actually... I, I started um, I, I started restricting and counting calories in a somewhat healthy way because I just wanted to lose a few pounds to feel comfortable with myself. But once I got on that track, I realized how, you know, how in control and how adults that made me feel. So once I sort of hit where I was comfortable, I didn't, I got to a point where I didn't really know how to stop. And at that point, I, it wasn't that I was focusing on being skinny or looking a certain way. Um, It was purely a mental game that, a twisted mental game that I was playing with myself. And Mm -hmm. that ended up lasting. I knew that something was wrong with me um, a few months in, and I was, online and I was searching. I was like, okay, well, I know because I kept losing weight and I wasn't trying to lose weight at that point. And I was getting headaches all the time. And I was feeling, I was feeling disconnected and disengaged when I was talking to people and, and not intentionally at all. And I was like, what is going on? So I was looking online and I was like, okay, well, I don't have anorexia because I'm eating. And it's not like I want to be super skinny. I don't have bulimia because I'm not throwing up. And at the time, those were the only two eating disorders really that people were talking about. Um, And I came across this one website and it was about orthorexia. And it was the doctor, Dr. Stephen Brotman, who coined the term orthorexia. And I read it and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what I have. And that was the only resource that I had at the time. So... I basically, I, I knew I didn't want to be living the way that I was living at that time. So I was kind of guinea picking with myself and trying to get into recovery mode. But at the same time, I, I wasn't telling anybody what was going on. So I was being, you know, being called crazy. And people were talking about me behind my back and people would comment on on my weight and the way I was acting and that got me because I I was so nervous to open up to anybody about the way that I had been treating myself and about my orthorexia especially because nobody was talking about it so it was like this weird phantom disorder that nobody knew of that I totally could have been making up (laughs) um and that made all everybody coming at me and me internalizing that, not knowing what to do with that information, and still being in college, feeling out of control, feeling out of place, wanting to live like an adult, but still being a teenager and not really being in a place where I could do that yet, that turned the disorder, um, whereas it could have lasted for, you know, a few months, it ended up lasting for a few years. mm mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say it lasted until my, the end of the, my junior year of college, I actually started to get work up in LA and I went to school down in Orange County. So it wasn't too far of a drive. And I made the decision to live up in LA and commute down to Orange County to finish my classes and get my degree. And part of was that, that was because the you know i wanted to strike while the iron was hot and i was getting an agent and i was getting um i don't know how much you or your listeners know about like union stuff but like i was i was getting union work which basically meant that i was you know getting i i got my my actors equity card and mm-hmm. sag and aftra and so you're you get paid for a certain amount and you can you can go up for certain roles. And I wanted to be able to take advantage of that. But also I had gotten to the point where I was so exhausted living the way that I was living because I didn't feel like myself at all. And I I felt like I was building the tools to be able to kind of free myself from the place that I'd been. But Mm -hmm. I wasn't in the actual physical place where I could do that. So I also wanted to move home because it was like, you know, a fresh start for me. And after that, I started, I'm, I'm a very independent person and I always have been. And that was part of what I loved when I moved home is that I was able to be the independent self that I, I knew I could be. And in putting myself in that scenario and being so determined to not be in this orthorexic state um, because it was, it was just exhausting. Like I said, I slowly transitioned out of it. I found people who I resonated with, you know, not because we were in the same, same dorm or the same classes, but because we really had similarities. And at that point, I, I went on vacation with my family. So this is fast forwarding now to 2007. So this is mm-hmm. my senior year of college. I went on vacation with my family and I was in the hotel room and I was flipping through the channels and I saw a commercial and it was one of the very first sort of uh body positive media ad campaigns that was out. And I remember seeing it and it was basically like, uh, love your body and you are beautiful no matter what size you are. And that was, and buy our product, which, which is fantastic. And I was really moved by it. But then at the same time, because I was in this state of transition, I was like, well, there needs to be something else because part of what I had been doing was really, I'd been doing a lot of like you know, self growth work, self helpy work, and a lot of reading and writing in that realm and research and stuff. And I was also listening to the way that I was talking and listening to the way that other people were talking and trying to pick up on what was reinforcing my behavior and what was um, supporting, you know, me living a, a better a better life internally and externally that I was living in the moment. And I was noticing how many people, women especially, were talking negatively about themselves and not even from like a sad, frustrated place. But what was what really struck me was people were talking in this flippant way, super casually about how they hated their thighs or how they weren't. Smart enough for this, or how their hair was gross, or how they feel fat, or you know, just stuff like that. And not only were they not attaching emotion to it, they were bonding over it. It was almost like a bonding tactic that women were using to like commiserate over their so called flaws. So I watched this commercial and I was like, this is such a fantastic step in the right direction, but there needs to be something more than this. And there needs to be something more than a a commercial or a campaign saying, love your body. You are beautiful no matter what, because like. What happens the days where you don't feel beautiful and what happens on the days where you are down in the dumps and what happens on the days where it's really tough to love your body? Because just saying, looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I love myself, I'm beautiful once, that's not really going to help anything. Mm -hmm. So at that point, it was I've, I've only had a couple moments like this in my life where it was just kind of, you know, hit me like a ton of bricks, so to speak. I was watching and I thought there needs to be something like that. I need to create it and it's going to be called want. And that stands for women against negative talk. And all of that comes that you come came at me at the same time. And you know every single business entrepreneurial thing that you read, it always says like don't focus on the name off the get go. Like it'll come to you. Focus on what you know branding. You want to focus on what the business is and what the movement is before you settle on a name. At that point, like everything came at me at once, which was super exciting. And so again, this is 2007. I was like what do you do when you want to start a business <laughs> and there were there weren't really blogs at that time and there were you know there were message boards and forums but there wasn't a lot that you could you know consistently update online or that people were consistently updating online so i was like mm-hmm. cool i'll start a website and i'll make t-shirts and that in my you know 21 year old's brain was, okay, cool. This is how you start a business, which is not really how you start a business. And I had <laughs> I had a friend of mine from high school create a site for me. I wrote all of the copy for it. Um, and I had been doing some freelance work up till then. So I was like starting, I was starting to put my feelers out in online editorial. And so I was like, this is cool. I'm confident in this and I can totally write the copy for this site and it's going to be amazing. And then I created the logo for want, which was like my hand in the sign language love symbol dipped in paint. And I made like a handprint of it and said want and under it, it said my beauty myself. And I was like, great, I've got a label and I've got t-shirts and tank tops. And I sent an email to all of my friends and family and everybody was on board and then nothing happened. Because I had no clue where to go from there.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, But moreover, what I realized, you know, in hindsight was that at that time, because I was still in that, that transitory place, I was creating what I wanted to see in the world. And I didn't necessarily know how to deliver it. So... That fizzled out through exit state. And so there was a point in time where I was like abusing laxatives, and there was a point where I was binging. And it was like the road to recovery is never linear. Like you just have to keep moving forward through it. And so even through those little setbacks, I would catch myself and be like, nope, Katie, don't do that. Like that's not what you want to be doing. And Fast forward again to about two years later and I had definitely like considered myself recovered by then. And I'd been in online editorial for a while and been in the wellness space. I transitioned from wellness, um, fitness and wellness from acting. And that's a whole other story. But I was at this place where I really felt like what I was doing was not the fullest expression of what I needed to give to the world. And I had no, always known that I wanted to do something that was my own where like I was the boss of me and I was I was creating something that wasn't, you know, me as, because I was teaching fitness at that time, like not me as like a fitness personality, not me as a, you know, nutrition mm-hmm. expert or something. I, I wanted to create some sort of, movement that was bigger than myself. And I was watching a video online. I believe it was a Brené Brown TED Talk and I like I as we do with YouTube, I got kind of caught in the weeds of watching her and watching Marie Forleo, who's a huge mentor of mine, and it was like mm-hmm. that first moment when I first thought of want years and years ago. I was like, oh my gosh, WANT, that is what I'm supposed to create. And in the previous years, people, the people who I told about it, they had always said to me, oh my gosh, whatever happened with that idea, whatever happened with WANT, that was so great, that was so cool, and and you were really on to something. And when I hit that point about two years ago, I realized that I not only had the, the Technical know how of how to create a platform like I wanted to create with Want. But I had the confidence in both how much I knew and how much I could give to people. And I also had the confidence in how much I didn't know, because I think that's very important. And it's important to be transparent with that. You know, none of us have all of the answers. So the best you can do is give everything you know and then be along for the ride with everyone, with everything you don't know. So I started to build it and I consulted with a few people and it took about, uh, I don't know, I want to say it was like a six or seven or eight month process of, of building the, the business plan and building the state mission statement and the vision statement. And then of course, building the site and I launched in January of this year and it it has just been full speed ahead from there. And that is the extremely long version of my answer.
0: (laughs) No, I love it. And you've touched on so many points in there that I'm going to try to pull out. Um, Yeah. So what I really love is a lot of people, you know, when they're going through, um, you know, some internal struggles and they're having, you know, a tough time in their life, sometimes they fixate on the external obstacles and kind of the external triggers. But it's so important for us to realize that we do have internal obstacles and sometimes looking inward and doing a lot of self-analysis and checking in, like much how you went through um, the process of self-growth and reading and trying to understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. That is so important. And I feel like, you know, if you're looking for, and you, you say that want is a purpose project, mm-hmm. which I love because it's very mission driven. Thank and it's you. What, yeah. It's what you know you want to do. And everything that you've done up until that point led to your purpose project um, in different forms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you had tried to launch it the first time and realized there were some things that you needed to work on, but it came back. It came back around. It grabbed you and said, you know, I need to be in your life and you need to be in its life. And then it just, flourished at that point yeah
1: and i had no intention whatsoever of launching it again after i did that first time i was just like okay this is cool it's a project that i did once and when it came back around to me i was i was taken by surprise and it had always been in the back of my mind as something that was like sort of cool and that i i had really i'd really loved and it felt very purpose-driven and when it came back around to me, I looked, I looked online and there are some absolutely phenomenal organizations out there um, in the you know, women's empowerment and wellness space. And I realized that however many years later, seven years later, there still was nothing that existed that focused on negative self-talk that wasn't. Body exclusive because there's a lot of that, which is also awesome, and wasn't supporting somebody's um, coaching practice because I knew that I didn't want to be a coach. I knew that I didn't want to be a a life coach, and I didn't want to have a one on one practice. I wanted it to be, um, which that is huge, and I love it. It's you know, it's just not for me. It wasn't what my gut was saying. This is what you need to do, mm-hmm. and when I realized that nothing. Existed in that very specific, yet broad, negative self-talk space, having to do with body, relationships, career, work, uh, community, all all of that stuff. I was like, "Well, guess I have to start it." <laughs> but yeah, everything everything really led to that point, and I think that a lot of times we forget that even in the dark moments, everything is working in our favor and everything is going to lead to something else. And we might not know it at the time. It might not make any sense whatsoever at the time, but what I've learned is that we need to trust that everything it's so cliche, you know, everything happens for a reason, but everything leads to something else. It's like your life is a big story. Your life is a big novel. And each little part is a chapter that leads into the next one.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, like you were saying before, there's no straight path to get to anything. And a lot of guests and even myself, they've had such a zigzag path, but everything is added up to something later in time that created the perfect storm of what they were working on at the time. Mm -hmm. So I love that. I love that. Um, so finding your inner confidence and your voice and loving yourself, that was, you know, a big part of that path. Mm-hmm. So when you took the, st- the second time you went back to um, work on wants, did mm-hmm. you have any big fears when you took the leap where you knew this is what you wanted to do? Um, you felt it was your purpose project. What were some of the things you experienced that you had to um, kind of work through?
1: Oh, that's a really great question. Well, my first my first little, I won't say fear moment, but I guess maybe question that popped into my head was, is this doable? Like, am I crazy? And thankfully I have a wonderfully supportive boyfriend who is actually a brand strategist. Um, He's also so supportive that he doesn't like to give me answers to things, which I'm like, oh my gosh, just come on, help me, <laughs> help me out on this one thing. Um, but he likes he likes me getting into the practice of like finding the answers on my own. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when I first thought of it, he I, I told it to him, and I was like, is this is 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 this is this crazy? Is this is this doable? And just hearing from him, somebody that I, I trust so deeply, both personally and professionally, hearing him say, uh, no, you're not crazy. Well, you are crazy in like the best way possible, (laughs) but yes, this is completely doable. It wasn't that I needed his permission to get started, but it was, it was almost like that. I don't know, like that that little that little button was pushed, like that little last puzzle piece was put into place where I would have moved forward anyway, but having somebody, and that can be any anybody for anyone, just having, you know, a family member, a friend, a significant other who a mentor who you trust, and having them say, like, yeah, this is rad. It's, it's, it's invaluable. I mean, it's, it's unlike anything else. So that really got me going like full speed ahead. Um, and I was very, in the past I have been, um, kind of, you know, I I said that I, before how I've always been independent and sometimes that is been in the more, uh, stubborn way where I, you know, I want to do things myself. And, you know, since I was a little, little kid, I, you know, if I was struggling with something, I didn't, I didn't want extra, I didn't want extra tutoring and I didn't want extra like hours with the teacher. Like I wanted to learn this myself. And so in the past, I have had this barrier of um, not wanting to ask for help. And I realized if I wanted want to live in a big way, I was going to need to ask for help. And going back to what I said about being confident in what I knew and what I didn't know, I both both, you know, on the the personal and the emotional side and as far as like the technical side of actually building a thing, I knew what I knew I could do. And I also knew exactly what I didn't know how to do. So I found someone who could guide me in the development of the site. And I spoke with somebody about like business plan structure and that, I don't know. I just like, there weren't a lot of, your question is interesting because As I was building it, there actually weren't a lot of fears that came up because it was something that because I feel like, and this is why I call it my purpose project and not my passion project, I felt like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to give to the world. And it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when it's going to happen. So it was almost like this force that I couldn't control was driving me forward to create it. So there wasn't a lot of room for fear in that. I mean, after I've launched, I mean, of course that has come in. But as I was building it, there wasn't a lot of fear because I was also okay with asking for help and the things that like maybe I could have been afraid of if I hadn't asked for help. And I was just left on my own.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think. Asking for help is such a powerful thing. And I was having this discussion the other day because I'm a person who it took me a very long time to ask for any kind of help. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you feel like you want to know the answers and it's almost like or I'm not sure if you felt this way, but I felt this way initially um, that it felt like a weakness to ask for help. Mm -hmm. But when you get that help and you find somebody with the complementary skill sets that you need, it actually becomes a very, very strong thing. And it moves things along so much more faster than if we tried to figure it all out ourselves. Oh, totally. Totally. And uh, I also loved, there was a particular thing you said. So the verbiage that you used, I believe it was, um, it wasn't a matter of if, but a matter of when. Mm -hmm. I love that because it's putting it out there in a way where you know it's going to happen and you know it's supposed to happen and you don't really leave room for the ifs ands or buts and you just go full steam ahead Mm -hmm. so I I love that
1: yeah it's um again it is maybe something that I've been a bit stubborn about in the past um the idea of of not succeeding at things. And it's something that actually I was talking to uh, someone on my podcast. Her name is Nageen Singh, and she's an incredible badass creative based in LA. And we were talking about um, how we both grew up doing things. We would only do things if we knew that we could be one of the best at them. And if we weren't going to be the best, then we didn't do it. And that's a double edged sword because then you do, you build the confidence in what you're good at and you move full speed ahead in that. But if you only do the things that you're really good at, then you're missing so much growth. And I got to a point where I, for me, it wasn't that I viewed asking for help as, Weakness per se, but it was kind of to me admitting, and again, this is all internal, it doesn't really have to do with anyone else but myself. Um, Mm -hmm. it was admitting to myself that, oh, I'm not good at that, and I'm and that I, I had a habit, you know, for a long time of. If I went down the road of I'm not good at that, that's a very definite statement. It's not like, you know, I need to work on that or I'm not good at that now. It's like I'm not good at that, period, end of story. And that would make me go down the road of, like, low self-worth and that I'm, you know, not – not as valuable. And I think with want, it got to a place where I was like, no, I know that I don't know this. And I know that you know about this. And I would absolutely love your help because this thing needs to be made and needs to get out in the world. And I am willing to give up what I don't know in order for that to
0: happen because
1: it (laughs) it needs to happen. Like I got to find a way. (laughs)
0: Yeah, this kind of leads into um, one of the posts. And for our listeners, I'm going to have everything that um, Katie and I reference in the show notes. So you'll be able to go back and, and look at the posts or anything we mention. But there is a post you had about making friends as an adult that resonated mm-hmm. with me so hard. Like I loved it and I read it over yeah. and over. And you also Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> no, I I did. And you had mentioned earlier that you had started to find people around you, um, you know, that you gelled with. And I think a lot of people when they want to head down a new path they have trouble finding kind of a tribe or mentors or people that they feel um, will help them become the very best versions of themselves. And not necessarily, I believe it was the second best version of somebody else Mm -hmm. that you had Mm -hmm. mentioned in your post. So do you have, um, you know, any tips on how people can go about finding uh, people that support a new path in their life? And maybe you could talk a little bit more about that specific point in your life.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to answer the latter first because that'll lead to the other. Okay. That's, it's something that when I, I – I just realized this within, like, the last year. I'm thinking about friendships and thinking about my journey with, um, you know, relationships with different people in my life. Um, I realized that from childhood, even, I – had always viewed myself as the runner up to someone else, whether that meant, you know, in elementary school that I am somebody's quote unquote best friend, but they're also quote unquote best friends with somebody else. So I'm like the second Mm -hmm. best, best friend (laughs) Um, up to, you know, high school and being in in theater and music and being friends with a lot of people who are older than I was and being like, you know, being very, very blessed in that I, you know, got, got roles and I was president of the theater club and stuff like that, like what we do in high school, but that like there was always somebody else who like, that was the first pick, and I always kind of felt like I'm the second pick. And then into adulthood, I realized that as I was trying to, especially when I um, transitioned from acting into fitness and wellness, which is one of the scariest decisions and best decisions that I ever made in my life, but I realized that I was um, – Finding role models who I wanted to be like, which I think that's something that we get advice about a lot, um, especially as women, is to find people that you look up to and find role models and find mentors. And what I was doing is finding people who are role models, mentors, friends who so excelled at what they were doing that I internally kind of put them on this pedestal And so I was watching all of their successes and almost trying to emulate that. And so I was, you know, teaching at a studio and one of my best girlfriends became one of my best girlfriends. She was like the top teacher at that studio. It was a, um, a cycle indoor cycling studio Mm -hmm. and she was one of the top teachers and rightfully so because she was an absolute superstar and I just adored her and worshipped her and I wanted to be exactly like her and people would you know they would love my classes and love what I had to offer but I was you know people people would say that I was like um like the little sister to her, which I loved at the time. I was like, oh my gosh, biggest compliment ever. Mm-hmm. And I still love that when people think that we're sisters because we kind of look like. Um, <laughs> and what I realized is the longer I stayed in that mentality and the, the more friends that I found who I looked up to and revered and thought they were doing so well, I realized that I was getting into this pattern of always putting myself in the second best position and trying to be somebody else. And what I ended up doing was, and this was not conscious at all, but I found something. I found a studio to teach at and I found projects to work on that were completely my own that nobody else that I knew was involved with those. And what that did was it forced me to to establish myself as me. And the more I was spending time in these places and doing these things, the less time I had to be watching the other people and thinking like, okay, what are they doing? They're doing that great. How can I do something like that? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of organically evolved into this, this, this best version of myself that it ended up like, I didn't care if I was the first or best or 40th best version of this other person. Like I knew I was being the best version of myself.
0: Yeah, for sure. And what you said was interesting about how, um, you know, when you are looking up to numerous people and you're kind of surrounding yourself with, um, you know, what they're working on and you want Mm -hmm. to kind of put things out in the world like them. It's also like that on social media now, which is so different from how it was back then when, you know, we didn't have these types of things, but... I found that on social media if you are always trying to kind of see what people are up to and the projects they're putting out it really inhibits your ability to just put out great stuff of your own cuz you're not sure if it's good enough or if it's like this or you know if it falls into that. Yeah. And yeah, I
1: had this I had this moment the other day where I was looking I was like posting something on Instagram and writing some cheeky Cap or either like a, a, a cheeky punny caption or like a long um, introspective caption. Like those are my the two categories <laughs> that my posts fall into. And I was posting a picture and I had this moment where I was looking at my Instagram and I hope this, um, like, I hope this comes off in the right way. But I was like, I really like my Instagram account. And, you know, I don't have as many I don't know as many followers or whatever as some people and it's it's all so subjective because to one person I could it could be like I have so many followers, but to another person it's like I have you know the equivalent of pennies. but for me and and the the people that I you know, that I follow and that I look up to, I was like, well, I don't have as many followers as them, but I don't really care because I really like my Instagram account and it feels so me and it feels so much like, it feels so much like an extension of who I am. And it just, I, it was, it's a really fun platform for me. And it was a really fun moment to be like, this doesn't really look like anybody else's and If people like that, great. If they don't, great. But the fact that I like it is all that really matters right now.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you attract what you put out. So when you feel like it's your home, like everything is the way you want it and everything Mm -hmm. reflects you, you attract those people who fall naturally into a space where you'd want to potentially communicate or be around them because they like what you're putting out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to – um. Like the three closest men in my life, so it's my boyfriend, my my dad, and my brother. And I, in separate scenarios, I was talking to them about um, the people, like the want audience, basically, and the want community. And um, my boyfriend was like, "So, what kinds of posts are the most popular?" And I told him, and he's like, "I don't get your audience." And and then my brother is a social media. Uh, whiz kid and so he was you know like giving me advice very very kindly and wonderfully and I was like that's not really that's not really my my peeps those that isn't really my community and he's like he's like okay like i don't he didn't say these words but basically like i don't get your audience and then i'm talking to my dad and he's like you know it seems like it's geared to i'm not i'm not your target audience but it seems like this is geared towards this group and this group and this is what this is what i think would be a good idea and it was actually a great idea but i was like that's not my audience (laughs) and what like in those three instances, I realized like, Oh my gosh, I know the want community and audience. I feel like I'm at a point and it's still like in the grand scheme of things so early in, in, in its evolution. But I feel like I know who the kinds of people it's attracting so well. And I'm so grateful for those kinds of people, and you know, maybe they're not the people who are like I—I I, I don't know. Like they're just more—they're a bit more introspective. They like the meteor posts. They, they, they want to—they want to see a little glimpse of something personal, so that they, you know they can feel connected and resonate. And it's just—it's the most wonderful community, and it's something that I'm so. I'm so proud of and I really like I can only take partial credit for that because so much of the success of or success so far of want has to do with how people have been how literally how people have been sharing want and how they have been commenting um so when they you know share on social media or they send emails or on instagram like the way that they they start to open up a little piece of themselves as they share it like that is really contagious so their friends and their families and their networks are seeing it and it's really such you know i'm I am the so-called guide or liaison or whatever, but it's really such a community effort and it's something that I'm, I'm so blown away by every single day, but you're right. It's, you know, you, you attract what you, um, what you put out and what your intention is behind what you put
0: out. Yeah, for sure. And this actually kind of ties me into another area that I'm curious about. So, Mm -hmm. Um, we had actually met through Iconic Beauty and I will put a link to that in the show notes. It's a fabulous, um, it's kind of a hybrid platform, uh, started by Brianna Derdick. And I don't want to talk too much about that because I'd love for you to discover it yourself and find things that resonate with you. So you were talking about the underlying themes. Um, you had a very Mm -hmm. specific thing that you had called it, um, it was at the undercurrent. I had it written down. Um, but basically you have a theme where in everything that you do, it follows you through. And that's what you love about every endeavor that you take on. So what is that for you?
1: Yeah. Um, so I think you're talking about the, when I was talking about defining your through line.
0: Yes. That is yeah. That.
1: So just for anybody who, and you know, we can link in the, in the show notes and stuff like that. But just little summary. I define your through line as the common theme in everything you love and the common goal in everything that you do. And I kind of call that one of the base, uh, you know, like bricks for the want journey. And what it is, is like I've done – a lot of different things in my life and I'm very multi-passionate. And sometimes when you are multi-passionate or you feel like you're doing a lot of things or you feel like you have done a lot of things, it can feel kind of like your life is very, very sporadic and everything is kind of a a mishmash of things you did and things you like. And when that happens, a lot of times you can feel unclear in your purpose. And what it is like underneath all of that stuff, I, I I truly believe that we are all meant to give something truly special to the world that only we can give to the world. And um, a lot of times that, that purpose underneath everything that we're doing, like it gets kind of muddied and it's really hard to remember what, you are actually what you're actually good at mm-hmm. um and what it is you're meant to be giving like as your fullest most actualized self and a lot of times when you are unclear in your purpose then and you just you kind of feel random for lack of better terms mm-hmm. a lot of times that's when the negative talk starts to come in because That solid base uh, behind everything that you do and everything you love, it doesn't feel like it's there. And that's when we can focus on trying to be like other people instead of trying to be like ourselves. When we can start speaking negatively about our body. Um, which is a very, very easy thing to speak negatively about because it's in front of us. It's something that we can see. It's something that we can feel. It's it's very, when we talk about it, we can talk about it in a very emotionally loaded, emotionally heavy way. And we can also bond with people over that. So that makes us feel, you know, connection. Mm -hmm. And we get lost in what it is we're actually trying to do. So for me... My through line, at least right now at this point in my life, because your through line can change throughout your entire life. Right now, my through line is using my authentic voice to inspire change in others and in the world. And how I came to that is I looked at everything that I was doing and I made a list of everything I love to do, love to experience. And I mean everything. So everything that you seem to get absorbed by and that fills you up from the inside out. So you don't have to worry about cohesiveness. You don't need to worry about if things seem like they go together or not. I just wrote everything down. So I love to sing. I love to public Speak. I love to draw and like, I I like to to paint and and make things for people. I love to write. I love to act. I love to teach my fitness classes. I love being in really deep conversations. I love seeing movies and then talking about them. I love to read and then talk about it. I, I love to like, there's just so many different things that I that I love. And then after that, you look and look at your list, and you see if you can find a common theme within the majority of those answers. So you want to try and find a, a, a mode or an output and looking beyond the obvious. So like the fact that, let's say you love to bake, And you love to have spontaneous dance parties. That might seem unrelated, but if you dig deeper, you might realize that what you actually love is the act of creating something that maybe brightens up somebody's day. That's just a vague example. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I, so I was like, okay, well, I love writing. I love interviewing, singing. I like, Unfiltered conversations. I love listening to podcasts, music, running, photography, concerts. I love laughing like a goon at movies and spending time with family and soul friends and all this other stuff. And once I looked at that, I realized that, oh my gosh, in all the things that I love, or most of the things, I can see that my through line is using my unique voice to its fullest to bring about the most authentic, best. In others and create that change. And if I look closely at everything that I'm doing that really sticks with me, not really, not the things that, you know, I kind of do once and like, and then I never do again, but the stuff that I really do on the regular, I see that through line coming in throughout all of that. And once I realized that everything that I was doing, it didn't feel so random anymore. And it felt like the stuff that, you know, I wasn't as great at it made sense that I wasn't as great at that. Cause I was like, I'm not supposed to be the greatest at that right now. I can work on that for sure. And maybe one day I will be the greatest that I can be at that. But right now that's not where I am supposed to, that's not where my purpose lies. Mm-hmm. And that is something, a, a concept that has completely shifted my life and how I function and also, how I how I like delegate my time and how I prevent myself from being overwhelmed by doing quite a few things at once.
0: Yeah. And ever since you had mentioned that, I started checking in with myself to kind of figure out what my through line is. Yeah, uh, because, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So as soon as I heard it, I wrote it down. I'm like, I have to figure this out because I do a lot of seemingly random things and projects and just – it. Never seems like it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so um, I started figuring out on a higher level that mine had to do with storytelling. So, you know, Ooh. whether it's acting, this podcast, um, consulting with clients on creative content, it all comes down to telling a story in some way. So I was so happy when you had started talking about that because I was like, that is what. I need to find, like, that's the thing that I was missing that I didn't have. In oh my that gosh.
1: That makes me so happy. And I, and going back to your, your question earlier about, um, finding people who support you being the first best you and not the second best somebody else. That's yeah. something that whether it's, you know, you're trying to create community for yourself or you're even like trying to find a, a new job. If you know your through line, then you're like, where can I insert myself where I can use this to its fullest capacity, whether it's in a situation that I'm very familiar with or it's something that's completely new to me? Like, how can I use this? Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's it's helpful for everything.
0: Yeah. It also became a good checkpoint for me where if I want to take on something, I say, does it fall in what I feel is my through line? If not, maybe I shouldn't do it. Right.
1: Yeah. If you're feeling wishy-washy about something, that's a really good way to keep yourself in check.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay. So you, between all of the things that you're doing, um, building want, there's so many different facets to the creative side and the business side. Mm -hmm. When you need to pull yourself out of being heads down in work where you're jamming and you're flowing, but you just need to pop up and maybe switch gears. Mm -hmm. Do you have any kind of ritual activity or something fun that you do that snaps you out of it?
1: Well, I I love exercise and I make a point to to have some sort of movement in my life, um, mostly every single day, Um, whether that's like a full-on hardcore workout or if it's, you know, me taking a walk around the block and walking to the coffee shop instead of driving there. I make sure that I have some sort of movement because when I don't get my body moving, then it's like the wheels in my head stop moving too. And that's Mm -hmm. not a place that I like to be in. Um, I also, I am, it's interesting. I am in, I'm an introvert, um, but I am, I don't know if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs. I'm a little bit obsessed with it, but I am. Yeah. So (laughs) I, so I am an INFJ and what that, a a part of that means, and that's introverted, um, intuitive, feelings-based and judgment-based. And it's not like judgment, like judging other people, but judgment, like looking to, to the past and what's already happened to inform like what's, what's happening right now. Um, But part of that personality type is that's actually one of the most outgoing introverted personality types. So while I need my own little bubble to recharge, I very much thrive in feeling a sense of community and feeling connected to others, whether I'm around them or not. So if I'm in that heads down work mode, maybe freaking out, stressing out space, then an easy thing that I do, honestly, is I will, I will call or text a friend. And I like, it doesn't have to even be for anything specific, like just to tell them that I love them or just saying like, Hey, checking in with you and hope you're great. And so grateful you're my friend, like little stuff like that, that people don't expect to get. And so I know that that's, that's giving them a little smile. It makes me feel good because it makes me feel connected with them. And when I keep my my personal life is a uh, top priority to me. And when I keep that um, active and flowing, and that doesn't mean going out and being social, but that just means staying connected to the people that I care about the most. Um, that always keeps me the most uh, sane as far as work goes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I love that. Um, the idea of just texting somebody and letting them know that you're thinking about them. Yeah, um, it's the simplest thing to do, and it it's
1: so good for everybody.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's so easy to forget that because we feel like we're always connected, especially between social and technology. But just that little thing, it means so much.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So exercise and feeling connected with other people. And honestly, like if I'm running – and I will also – I have a pretty loose structure. Like I've got just enough structure to my day that I allow for parts of it to not be structured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I am not beyond like running a random errand during the day or like taking a yoga class that I wasn't expecting to take. Or uh, I don't know if it's the weekend. Like sometimes I work on the weekend But um, as of right now, I I try not to. There was a long time with WANT that I was just working nights and weekends. Um, But now that I have the weekends, like, I will say to my boyfriend, like, let's take a hike. Or I'll sit down and he's a big movie watcher. And so I will be working and I'm like, I've been working for too long. And I will run into the other room and I'll sit with him and I'll watch a movie with him. Mm -hmm. Another strategy that I use is... (laughs) Sometimes I don't plug my computer in, so I work – I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but do with this information as you will. I will work until the battery dies. No, I've done that before. And it's so so good because I'm like, well, (laughs) can't use my computer anymore. And so a lot of times – like sometimes I'll work from home, but a lot of times I'll be out just to kind of be in the world. And that forces me to go out and do something. Like my computer only has so much battery life.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite tactic when it gets to the later hours. So after, you know, typical four, five, six o'clock, I'm like, okay, laptop dies, I am done. And yes. I've, I've totally done that many times. <laughs> oh my gosh, that
1: I love hearing that you do that too. <laughs> I was like, this is kind of a weird tactic, but you know what?
0: I'm going with it, so I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, it works. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I've picked up um, four mantra words for permissionless, and I'd love to know which of these words do you feel got you to where you are now, and which of these words do you feel that you want to build upon? Mm
1: -hmm. So the four
0: words are boldness, adaptability, fearlessness, and confidence.
1: Ooh, I think that I'm going to split it 50 50. I think that the, if we're talking about the ones that most got me to where I am now, I think the fearlessness and the confidence for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the moving forward fearlessly through, you know, whatever roadblock is in front of me. Even if I don't know what's on the other side, I'll just, you know, keep going. I don't think fearlessness means that you're not afraid. It just means that your fear is less than your faith. Mm-hmm. And the two that I would love to build upon are my boldness and my adaptability. I think that, you know, I've, I've got both of those in me. And they're things that I have definitely um, honed over the years. But... As as want grows, there are more opportunities coming my way and there are more people who I would love to work at with. And the confidence part in me is like, yeah, this is someone you can definitely work with. The boldness to actually like ask Can we work together? Or I'd love, I'd love to work with you. Like, how how can we make this happen? The boldness to take on certain opportunities or create certain opportunities for myself—that is something that it's not like I don't have it, but it's something that I am definitely in the process of honing on it on an entirely different level now that I've worked, I've started working with WANT, Mm -hmm. and then adaptability. Um, it's interesting. I actually just left my, my full-time job to work on want full-time. Thank you. Thank you. And it's still pretty new, but I was in an office for three years of my life. Um, in and out of the office at the beginning, we like kind of had an office and then we didn't, and then we did have an office. Um, but point being, I was in a space for, a while, and the entire duration of my time with that job was four years, where there was a lot of structure to my life, um, and some of that was great, and some of that was completely like counterintuitive to how uh, I function at my best. Mm-hmm. And what I've been realizing, as you know, I'm working on on want pretty much full time now, is that I need like. I want like 7% more structure than I have right now. And going through this change, I've had to learn how to adapt in an entirely different way because I've worked on my own before. And I've been, I've been basically like, I've, I've been hustling almost my entire adult life where it's like doing all these different things and, um, and, and kind of creating my own, my own structure and adapting to that. But what I have realized is that I've kind of had to relearn how to do all of that at this point in my life with all of the tools and all of the knowledge that I have and all of the confidence and fearlessness that I have right now. And there are – I'm not someone who is really – like a fan of, I'm not inherently a fan of change. And that's something that I have, that's been part of my journey is learning how to not, you know, resign myself to change necessarily, but kind of accept what is and accept the change that is in front of me and see how I can be of use through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, adaptability is definitely a part of that and I'm something it's something that I'm working on every day and making making peace not just making peace with different changes big and small that come in and out of my life but really digging into that change and being like okay what's really going on here and how can I use this to my own personal advantage and mm-hmm. how can I function the best within these parameters? So that's something that I'm definitely working on.
0: Yeah. And I think, again, the the ability to kind of self-analyze and kind of step into yourself, um, that's so powerful. And I feel like it's not something that everybody has learned to take advantage of. Yeah. Um, and it's so. a
1: process. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. But you just kind of have to commit that, that that is a process that you want to be in.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so – a lot of our listeners are kind of in the spot um, where they're not sure. So maybe they are working a full time job and they have a purpose project or just a passion project and they're not sure you know, how to take the leap. Maybe they don't have a tribe that supports them. Maybe they're unsure. If you mm-hmm. could give one piece of advice um, to somebody who's in that position, what would that be?
1: The piece of advice I give most often in that position, it it might seem vague and it might seem like an easy for you to say scenario, but I say, just go, just keep going and trust that everything is working in your favor because you know what, if you go and you fall on your face, then at least you went and at least you tried and you're like, okay, well I can check that off the list. Like how, what am I going to try next? And Mm -hmm. to me, Regret is the most use. I'm actually, I'm writing something about this uh, currently, but regret is the most useless emotion and is the most unfortunate emotion. And I believe that it stems from when we didn't have the confidence to do something or we didn't have the empathy to not do something. And, I like to live my life where I know that I have lived it to the to its fullest potential and that has to go with, you know, creating actual tangible things and having the confidence to do that or you know, building the confidence on the way up to do that and really trying and it, of course it's a process. Of course I slip up. I'm only human, but trying to be as, as empathetic as possible and seeing people for how they are and seeing you know seeing their their highs, their lows, their struggles, their successes, and taking that into account so I can meet them where they are. And that's how I live without without regrets, basically, is just moving forward through all of that and just going.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. You can't grow if you're standing still. <laughs> yeah, and if you uh, no, and honestly, if you piss people off along
1: the way or if you disappoint them or whatever, like, at least you try. Like, the best, something that my dad always says to me is, or has said to me my entire life is, um, like, if you did your best, then that's the most important thing. And even if you have the most wonderful of intentions, there will be people who are going to be skeptics or they are going to be not supportive or not even not supportive, but just like blah, like mm-hmm. vanilla, like nothing, like you're not going to get anything from them. There are going to be people that are pissed. There are going to be people who doubt you. But all of, all of that taken into account, like they are not in charge for you being your fullest self.
0: Yeah. And they aren't the ones who are, you're living with yourself. So do what makes you happy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And do what you feel you are called to do, whether that's a purpose thing, whether that's a passion thing, whether it's just something that you kind of want to explore. Like, who are you not to do that? That's robbing yourself of something, some sort of
0: experience, good, bad, whatever, but it's, it's robbing yourself of that. Exactly. Okay. So I hate to cut, I feel like we could talk about that part forever. Oh Uh, yeah. (laughs) There's just so much to say, but I really want to do a speed round with you. Yes. And the speed round is just a quick answer, whatever comes to your mind, um, you know, top of mind for these. So I'm going to jump right in. What is your favorite book and or a podcast?
1: uh book does it have to be in like the self-improvement realm nope i'll I'll give two i'll give two my (laughs) my favorite (laughs) books right now um i love i love cheryl strade's um tiny beautiful things that book is absolutely gorgeous and i am a huge kurt vonnegut fan and i love slaughterhouse five um oh and the great gatsby and my favorite podcast I'm going to give two. I'm giving a lot of answers for this. My (laughs) favorite podcasts are um, Jessica Murnan's podcast, One Part Podcast, and Call Your Girlfriend. Holy crap, I love those women
0: so much. I'm going to have to look into those.
1: Oh, yeah, you will. And there's a lot of episodes that both of those uh, podcasts have done, so you can sit and like binge listen to them ad nauseum. It's wonderful. And Jessica's actually writing a – book right now. So she like her podcast is just it's it's blown up in the last
0: year or so. Nice. I'm definitely going to load them up for L.A. traffic so that I can just have something good to listen to and not worry. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, what are two badass songs that get you really pumped up or uplift you? Um,
1: Anything by Sia or Robin I and Jenny Lewis. I am absolutely like the biggest fangirl of all three of those women. Mm hmm. And then right now, I am actually – I am loving the two songs that I'm playing on loop right now in my car and in my spin classes are – Demi Lovato's Cool for the Summer. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> it's it's actually, if you listen to it, it is pop music genius. I like I I have lots of friends who are in the music industry and I've like dated a sound engineer for a while. And so like I, I listen for those things. Mm-hmm. And that song, it's like a lot of like the Taylor Swift songs of late that have been so popular, and the ones that have been produced by like Max Martin. And anyway, um, it's just absolutely brilliant. And then I really love Knights of Sidonia by Muse. I love Muse. They are dark and brooding and epic and phenomenal.
0: Awesome. Um, And just so our listeners know, I'm actually going to start putting these songs on playlists. So you'll be able to hop in and listen. I'll probably pick a couple of Muse songs on top of that so that they can get a sense for the band. Yeah, yeah. And the last question is Who is somebody that you feel truly lives permissionless that you would love to see interviewed? And, um, you know, I'm going to try to get them on, but I'm just really curious about your answer.
1: Well, I, like I said, those three women who I love, Sia and Robin and Jenny Lewis, I think that they are absolutely brilliant women not just from a musical perspective but if you look at you know their their interviews and you look at the the work they've done and how they're kind of showing themselves to the world that is what i truly love about them and it really comes through through their music so them and then i mean i've got to say I don't know Betty White is coming to my mind. That's an interesting <laughs> answer. <laughs> I I she is she is incredible. She's what 92 or something Somewhere and she other, yeah. is she is you know she has become she's been doing work for so long but she has been like the it girl for the last 5 years or so and she is such a great example of the fact that you know, I think that a lot of times, especially in your your 20s and your 30s, you think that you have to get everything done and you feel like this is your time for success. And Betty White is such a great example of you never know what's going to come in and out of your life and when that's going to come. And just because you haven't accomplished something by a certain amount of time or you have accomplished something in a certain amount of time, it doesn't mean that you know, in like decades down the line, something else isn't going to happen. It's like what we talked about at the beginning, everything in your life, it's like this finely tuned novel and symphony and story where everything leads into something else. So I think she's pretty permissionless. I, I love, love it. her. <laughs> that,
0: that was such an unexpected answer, but it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, she's great. <laughs> and then if anybody's interested in finding you on your favorite social networks, how can they do that? Yes, um, they can find me
1: on Facebook. And on Facebook, it's under want, women against negative talk. And on Instagram, I am at Katie Horwich, no spaces. On Twitter, I am at Katie Horwich, no spaces. And then, of course, they can find me on womenagainstnegativetalk.com, and they can sign up for the newsletter. And they can also find me on the WANTcast, which is the Women Against Negative Talk podcast. And that's on iTunes and the site.
0: Great. And I really encourage everybody to jump in and start looking at some of the content on the Women Against Negative Talk website. It is fantastic. And I think you'll love it.
1: Thank you so much. That means so much. And thank you so much for having me on today. This was such a fun way to spend my afternoon.
0: Yeah, for sure. I loved your story ever since I heard it. And I'm just I'm so glad that everybody else can hear it, too.
1: Thank you. And I'm so glad we're connected now.
0: Yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) High five. Yeah. All right. That is the end of our show today. Thank you everybody for joining us and we'll see you next time. So normally I end these episodes with the permissionless mantra. If you've listened to episodes in the past, I'm sure you've heard it. But rather than ending on that note, I wanted to stop on a little anecdote about what permissionless is about. Permissionless and living permissionless is really about defying convention and blazing your own path. It's about not relying on anybody else to grant you permission for the things you seek. It's about knowing what you want and building your life by design. We want to inspire you to be fearless dreamers grounded in realism through the content that we share. So are you ready to live permissionless?